Well, I've been waiting a while to be able to say this. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. If you haven't noticed already, I take my time. I go through things slowly, in-depthly, concisely, and any other word you can add to that. Matthew chapter 6, if you would please. Commentator by the name of D.A. Carson in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount said this, and I quote, We human beings are a strange lot. I take exception with that. But he's right. We are a strange lot. We hear high moral injunctions and glimpse just a little the genuine beauty of perfect holiness and then prostitute the vision by dreaming about the way others would hold us in high esteem if we were like that. The demand for genuine perfection loses itself in the lesser goal of external piety. The goal of pleasing the Father is traded for its pygmy cousin, the goal of pleasing men. It almost seems as if the greater the demand for holiness, the greater the opportunity for hypocrisy. End quote. Here in this next section, we're going to see Jesus warn us about religious hypocrisy. The last section dealt primarily with inward attitudes and righteousness. But what do we do about those righteous acts that are necessarily performed as part of our religious duties and have the possibility of being seen by other people? What do we do about those external acts of righteousness that are part of our religious duties? Here it seems that Jesus heads off what is always the danger when attempting to be righteous. Religious hypocrisy, and I'm going to use a big word, ostentation. We are to be perfect, but we are to be careful because of the problem that all of us have, and that problem is a tendency toward wrong motivations behind any external righteous act. We must be careful whose approval we are seeking. Jesus has been showing how the righteousness that is required for entrance into the kingdom of heaven, a righteousness which we now know is a given righteousness produced by the Spirit of God within us, it's a righteousness that is far greater than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He continues to show that truth. He deals with righteousness towards God. Whereas the last section dealt with it towards man, he's going to deal with what our righteousness towards God should look like. In the previous section, starting at verse chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 20, down through verse 48, in that section, Jesus was dealing with the corrupt teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. 
And now he is going to deal with the corrupt practice of the scribes and the Pharisees from chapter 6, verse 1 to chapter 6 and verse 18. So he's going to deal with the corrupt practice of the scribes and the Pharisees and any that will follow their hypocritical ways. When we begin to practice righteousness, there are some dangers. One of those dangers is doing or practicing righteousness like a public display, like a parade. So people will think well of us. Chapter 6, at least the first 18 verses, is a very searching chapter. It will probe us to our inmost being. It will hold a mirror up to us. It will cause us some discomfort as we look into that mirror. This chapter will bring us face to face with ourselves. And self-examination is good. And that is exactly what we should do individually as we study this sixth chapter, at least the first 18 verses. These 18 verses I've put under the heading, Motivation for External Acts of Righteousness. Motivation for External Acts of Righteousness is actually handling the corrupt practice of the scribes and the Pharisees. Let me, let's read this section together. Follow along as I read chapter 6, starting at verse 1. We'll go down through verse 18. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, Do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory for men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and at the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Notice that word reward has now been repeated like three or four times. But thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy room or thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father who is in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the pagans do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your 
Father, forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, who is in secret. And thy Father, who seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Verse number one here in chapter six is the introduction to three subjects, three practices that lend themselves to corruption like it did with the scribes and the Pharisees. Those three subjects that Jesus covers are giving, verses two through four, praying, verses five through 15, and fasting, verses 16 through 18. So this verse, verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father who is in heaven. And so this verse introduces this section of the external acts of righteousness and the motivation that should be behind them. This is another way that our righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so Jesus turns to their practice after discussing their teaching. And he's going to show how in practice our righteousness must must exceed theirs. And so he begins with, be careful about wrong motivation. Be careful about doing your righteous acts in this verse, the word alms, so that you're trying to impress others or trying to attract attention to what you are doing, attract others' attention to your righteous acts. So Jesus is going to deal with the internal motivation for the external acts of righteousness, which we do, which will, in this case, fall into three categories, giving, praying, and fasting. So basically, this is the next section on righteousness. Righteousness performed has to be different than the manner of the hypocrites, the scribes and the Pharisees. And so the verse starts out with, take heed. Now, whenever you see that in the Bible, you should sit up straight, pay attention, and listen. Because that's exactly what it means. Take heed. Be careful. Be aware. Be on your guard. Be on your guard not to perform your righteous acts in a certain way. It shows we must be constantly vigilant in this area. Literally, the word means to turn your mind to, to give attention to. Those two words mean exactly what I say. Sit up, pay attention, take notes, be careful that you do not let this happen to you. And this is from the, word, the lips of our Savior. Take heed. Now, when you see that phrase, take heed, it also means that this is the tendency that we have as believers in the kingdom of God, that we can fall into this trap very easily. So take heed. Be on your guard. Be constantly vigilant. 
So we are to concentrate on the central thing in doing acts of righteousness. What are we to concentrate on? We are to do our acts of righteousness and specifically giving, praying, and fasting, not so men can see, but so that our Father in heaven can see. In other words, we are to concentrate on the central thing in doing any external act of righteousness, even beyond giving and praying and fasting, and our concern ought to be the glory of God and serving him and not what men think. And so, take heed, because we need to know that our hearts will take us in this direction every time if we are not careful. So examine yourselves. Judge yourself, according to 1 Corinthians 11.31, and take heed, because this is the way human nature will go. Then the word alms, take heed that you do not your alms. That word alms means acts of righteousness, good deeds, pious deeds, external acts of righteousness. Now the context of verse 2, therefore when thou doest thine alms, means, shows us that that word is a little bit different than its use in verse 1. In verse 2, alms is to be interpreted as giving. Here in verse 1, it is just general acts of righteousness, which would be, under that heading, would be giving, praying, fasting, and the other external acts of righteousness. These three are used as an example. And so take heed that you do not your alms, acts of righteousness. To do righteousness or to practice righteousness is a common phrase in the Bible. Psalm 106, verse 3, Blessed are those who keep justice, and he who does righteousness at all times. It's talking about doing righteousness. Isaiah 58, 2, ye, uh, Yet the, they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness. Here was a nation that did righteousness. 1 John 2, 29, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So here the idea is this is something that we practice. In fact, John is talking about in his epistle either practicing sin on the one hand or practicing righteousness on the other hand. 1 John 3, 7, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. So here we get the idea that you cannot in an ongoing way, practice righteousness unless you are what? Unless you are righteous. You have been made righteous. 1 John 3.10, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And so when we get to this verse here in chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew, and it says, take heed that you do not your alms or your righteous acts. It is assumed that God's people will practice righteousness. We will practice righteousness. Actually, in some manuscripts, the word alms is actually the word, actually uses the word righteousness. So the assumption is, that we will not practice evil or practice sin. We will practice righteousness. 
So we have to ask ourselves the question, how are we doing? How are you doing in the area of practicing righteousness? That's the assumption that is here. But it goes beyond that, and that is it begins to talk about our motivation for any righteous act that we do. And notice what it says. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Now, if it had stopped there, that had been one thing, but it doesn't. It gives the actual motivation. Because folks, there are times that you cannot do a righteous deed that uh, people will not, that will, they'll be able to see it. For instance, you know, I practiced fasting for quite a while. But it was awful hard not to let my wife know that I was fasting. I had to just simply tell her, um, I'm not eating today. Or I won't be eating for a while. I had to let her know so she knew how to plan the meals. So there are times that our righteous acts will be seen by men. The point is the next phrase. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. And here's the motivation. To be seen by them. In other words, that is the sole purpose for which you are doing it. To be seen by them. To be noticed. We all like to be noticed. We all like to have people pat us on the back. But the motivation behind these righteous acts is to gain the approval of others. We are doing it so that others will see. We are doing it so that people will praise us. We are doing it to enhance our reputation. Those, that's the wrong motivation behind righteous deeds. In other words, we are doing that righteous deed with a view to be looked at. That's the intention. And Jesus is warning us about doing any kind of act of righteousness with the purpose of showing off. Like a play or a parade. It's interesting that that phrase, to be seen, the word that is behind that, is the, it's, it's the Greek word. We get our English word theater from the root of this Greek word to be seen. We get our English word theater. What happens in a theater? People are sitting in the seats and they're gazing at that spectacle, that play that's going on. And the idea here is that we are doing the righteous deeds for the purpose of being looked at, for the very purpose of attracting attention, for the purpose of gaining applause. And when you combine that with the word hypocrite, Jesus is warning about a righteousness that is like, a play, it's like play acting. It's not real life. does not demonstrate what is really in the heart of the actor, but is being done simply as a performance, 
for show, to make an impression on those that are watching. Isn't that what happens in a play or a movie? Actors are not really that person that they're pretending to be. And sometimes even the words and the phrases and the dialogue coming out of their mouths does not represent what is actually in their heart. Since the motive or the purpose that the giving was done or the praying is done or the fasting is done is not for the glory of God, Jesus is warning us about play acting, seeking glory for who? Ourselves. In doing the righteous deed, the true motive is actually being covered up. It's an act. They pretend to give, but really, what do they want? They want to receive. They're pretending to give and wanting other people to see that, but they're really wanting to receive instead of actually do the giving for the glory of God. They are trying to impress not serve. They're trying to seek glory for themselves instead of the glory for God. And in this verse, it plainly says that the wrong motivation gains absolutely no reward from God. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father who is in heaven. Let me point out, numerous times in this section, all the way down to verse 18, it talks about reward. But the difference that we're going to see, for instance, in um, uh, what verse is it now? Oh, I, verse 2, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. What's the difference behind the reward? between the reward of the hypocrite and the reward of those who have the proper motivation. The reward of the hypocrite is temporary. Notice the phrase, of your Father who is in heaven. What is that indicating to us? Heaven's an eternal place. So the difference is between an eternal reward as opposed to a temporary reward. So the wrong motivation gains no reward. Notice that word otherwise. If we ignore that take heed in the beginning of the verse and we do our pious deeds with the wrong motivation, there will be no reward. There won't be any repayment or recompense. God will not be pleased with us. We will already have our reward like the hypocrites in verse 2. I guess the best way to say it is God does not reward play actors. God does not reward men pleasers. And over and over again, there's an emphasis here. Now, let me also say that it is possible to do a righteous deed, even for God with the hopes of reward, so that our motivation is really the reward and not the glory of God itself. And so we need to be careful. Now, three major areas of Jewish piety, as I mentioned, are going to be talked about here. Giving, prayer, and fasting. These are chosen as examples of all external acts of righteousness. 
They cover all acts of righteousness, those external pious deeds that we do towards other, giving, towards God, prayer, and towards ourselves, fasting. They were highly valued among the Jews of Jesus' day. Jewish people fasted twice a week. These three specific subjects reflect the nature of our relationship with God. Do we give? Do we pray? Do we fast out of a relationship of true devotion to God? Or are we seeking recognition from others? Are we devoted to God? Or are we devoted to self? Whereas the previous section dealt with righteousness in relationship to others, this section will deal with righteousness in relation to God, those external pious acts that should be done for the glory of God. And so this first verse, this heading verse, as I call it, summarizes by way of negative statement the thrust of each of Jesus' admonitions here. I'll probably mention it again, but we have allowed this wrong motivation to enter into the church. And I'll probably mention it again under giving. And we have an example of it right here in the auditorium. And, you know, and I'm not trying to be mean-spirited by pointing this out. But on that back wall hangs a plaque. Now what's on that plaque? Stephen, what's on that plaque? Names of who? Mike? Memorials given. Is that not? And folks, this isn't the only church that does it. The church where I pastored had a plaque on a refrigerator. This refrigerator given by so-and-so. Are we not? They've done it with pews as well. Yeah, I, I don't know the whole history behind the plaque. The church where I pastored, plaque on a pew, plaque on a refrigerator, room named after someone who was still alive and in the church. How many have seen this in churches that you've visited? Are we not disobeying this verse by plastering people's names on things they've donated to the church? That's why I say this is a tough thing to look at. And while that person's motivation may have not been to have their name put on a refrigerator or a room named after them or whatever, maybe their motivation was completely in line with Jesus' teaching. 
is it not possible and probable that that would motivate other people to give so that they could have their name put on something? We need to be careful. That's why Jesus said, take heed, that you do not do your righteous deeds for the purpose of being seen by men. And the reason is, you know, we may rob people of the reward that God wants to give because we reward them in a temporary way by a plaque or by recognition or by all these other means the churches use. And in some cases, the church leaders know what they're doing. The church leaders know that if they recognize certain people from the pulpit, call out their names and all this kind of thing, that they'll get more people to volunteer. They'll get more people to give. When I was at that church, I was preaching through this section. And I, <laughs> I, I can be mean. I told them I was going to take the plaques off of things. You should have seen the horror on people's faces. Why do we think when a godly person decides to do something for the church that we have to put their name on it. They didn't want that. Oh, how careful we need to be. This happens in the world as well. Hospitals, hospital wings, gymnasiums, named after the benefactor that gave the money so that that could be built. Am I wrong, or does this not go against what Jesus just said in this verse? And every one of us have that human nature that wants to be recognized, that wants to be patted on the back, that wants to be applauded, that wants people to know how good we are because of what we did. even a preacher. I went through a phase where if nobody said anything to me as I walked out the door, or as they walked out the door about how good the sermon was, I, I really fought with the Lord for that for a while. I wanted to hear people say, that was a good sermon. And I thought to myself as I began to wrestle with the Lord over my attitude and motivation to preaching. I didn't want to hear that anymore. Now I can receive it with grace. Now I can receive it and say, praise the Lord, he gave me the ability. It's all him using me. But I struggled with it. And it almost became the motivation behind preparing certain sermons. We need to take heed that we do not our alms before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, 
you have no reward of your Father who is in heaven. Notice that word Father again. You know, it's, it's interesting. We hold out certain motivations to our children, you know, to do right. What a blessing it is when a father will just simply, out of pure grace, reward a child when there was no reward promised in the beginning. Is that reward not sweeter, knowing that you weren't working for that, you didn't know it was going to come? Folks, there's coming a day when every righteous deed done with the proper motivation will be rewarded by our Father, which is in heaven. We weren't looking for the reward, but God decided he's going to take care of it. God is not going to forget our work and labor of love, which we have done towards his name. He won't forget it. And he will, he will reward those who do these righteous deeds with the proper motivation. Father, please help us. Help us in everything that we do so that you are the center, you are the purpose, you are the reason we do what we do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.